Welcome! You're listening to audio of Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. At ICC, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Wherever you are as you listen today, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're here. We hope today's message will help you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thanks again for joining us. Well, if you've got your Bibles this morning, I would encourage you to get them open to the book of Matthew chapter 6. I'm Barrett Bowden, and we'll continue this morning a series that we began uh, several weeks ago that we're in right now in the summer season called The Rhythms of Grace, How to Grow in Spiritual Habits. And along with your Bible this morning, I would encourage you to get something to write with. As always, I love it uh, when we're not just hearers of the word, but we're really seeking to be learners and ultimately to be ones who who live in, seek to live in light of the things that we hear. Um, I don't know if you know me already. It's totally fine if you don't. Um, I'm married to an amazing woman. Her name is Michelle. Um, And we have two daughters whose names are Caroline and Emma. I want to put a picture on the screen of Caroline and Emma for those of you who don't know them. This is Caroline, the one who is eight on the right. And this is little Emma. Uh, She is two. And I just look at them and I I just love them so much. Um, One of our greatest goals in life as their parents, especially in this season of their development, is just to help them know that they are loved, that they are safe and secure in the presence of love, our love and God's love. And that love is not because of anything they do, it's not because of anything that they accomplish, it's just because of who they are. It's because of a choice that we have made to love them and a choice we will continue to make to love them no matter what. When Emma is on her best behavior, which she is a lot, and when she's on her worst behavior, like last night when she's throwing food across the room at dinner. We love her. <laughs> um, whether they are sitting on the other side of the room frustrated at us or they are sitting right next to us cuddling, we, we love them. Whether they wake up with crazy hair and morning breath and breathe in my face before I'm ready to get up, daddy. Or whether they're freshly dressed, teeth brushed, looking cute, ready for a fancy night out, we love them. Whether they use their Friday night to ask me to watch one more princess movie with them, or whether they come to me and say, Dad, can I help you water their flowers tonight? No matter what, we love them. But I gotta tell you, one of the very best things in the world. And if you're a parent or have a privilege of helping to raise a child in your life, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. One of the very best gifts in the world is when my girls want to be near me. I was working around the house uh, this week and it was one morning and I had several things that I was wanting to get done. I was in that mode, you know what I'm talking about, just wanting to, to be busy had a lot going on. And Emma, who's quite the busybody herself, usually from the very time that she wakes up, all of a sudden starts coming up to me, literally almost like wanting to attach herself to me, saying, Daddy, Dad, I want to snuggle. (laughs) My heart just goes, oh, girl. And y'all, she kept that posture the whole morning. Um, I would say, Emma, don't you want to go play with your toys? You don't have to stay here. I won't be, be with you, Dad. Um, Emma, I, Daddy's got to X, Y, Z. Dad, what are you doing? Dad, why are you doing it? How you do that? She just wanted to be near me. She wanted to learn what I was enjoying. She wanted to do all that she could do to just be near me that day. At one point, I got up to go to the other part of the room, and she genuinely, you guys, she genuinely came and stood in my path between me and the door and just put her hands up like this. And I was just like, how could I help but not want to just like love this girl right now, right? One of the greatest gifts that my girls ever give me. We're in the series right now 
called Rhythms of Grace, and we're talking about growing spiritual habits. And what we've been saying is that spiritual habits position us to experience God's grace. They position us to be able to experience God's grace. Now, here's the thing. We have a God who is a wonderful and loving Father. He loves you in Jesus Christ. And if you are in Jesus Christ, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And there is nothing that you could do on your best day or your worst day to make him love you any more or any less. He loves you. He loves you, he loves you. When you are not in your heart, necessarily desires to be him in a, near him in a particular moment, or whether in your heart you are overly desirous to be near him in a particular moment, he loves you. And his love for you is not determined by what you do, but by a choice that he makes to love you. And a work that he has done in Jesus Christ to secure full and free love for you now and forever. He loves you. He is a loving father. But friends, there are some ways in which we can really bring, bring pleasure to our Father who loves us so much. Just like while my, I love Emma and Caroline and that will never change. It's not conditioned on their behavior. Oh my goodness do I love it when there's a morning where she's just like, Daddy, I want to snuggle. Daddy, if, if you're doing something, I want to know, Daddy, what you doing? Why are you doing it? If she sees me moving a certain direction, she postures herself to get in the path of where I'm going so that she can be with me in what I'm doing. That brings me great pleasure. And there, you gotta understand this in, your, in our relationship with God. There are things that we can do to bring God great pleasure. In the context of the security of his love, we can posture ourselves to want to be near him. And on the other side of it, not only does it bring great pleasure to our God, but it brings great good to us. Because his nearness is our good. Being near to him is our, our greatest need. So what we've been talking about in this series is there are some things that we can do to position ourselves to, to be in his path. There are some things that God has helped us to know that really do make a real impact on our nearness to him and our growth with him. And we should, all of us, want, like little Emma, to do everything we can to just be near our good and loving Father. Does that make sense? So, in this series, we're walking through these spiritual habits. Now, what I've been doing throughout, uh, what we've been doing throughout the series is describing where these categories come from. There's three main categories of spiritual habits. And you can find them by looking at Acts chapter two, verse 42, and it describes in the very early days after Jesus ascended to the Father that the early church devoted themselves, they were very committed to, to three things, to apostles' teaching, to fellowship and the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Okay? And what we've been saying is if you can kind of learn these three areas of commitment, these big buckets of life. Now, the way we've been describing them is these are rhythms of grace. We've been describing them as follows. One is the word, two is prayer, and three is church life. I've been using this diagram with all these gears to kind of help you to, to see it. So the apostles teaching here the word, number two here, the breaking of bread, uh, fellowship, that's church life. And then the third thing there is into prayer, all right? So what we're doing in this series is walking through just helping you understand. So if you know that in your life, to grow in the grace of God, to grow to be near him more, you need to learn how to do these three things. You need to learn how to be in the word. You gotta learn how to live a life of prayer and you gotta learn what it looks like to really experience grace in the goodness of the family of God, the church, okay? So in this particular month, we're looking at this area over here of prayer. And we've been talking about four habits making up 
um, really helping to fuel our prayer life. And today, we're going to be talking about the habit of journaling, all right? The habit of journaling. So if you've got notes, and I hope you do, I hope you'll begin to journal with me, should I say that? Um, I hope you'll begin to follow along with me and write um, notes as we go because what we're talking about this morning I think is really, really important. Now, the first thing that you may be asking, even at hearing me describe that the topic this morning is journaling, the first thing I bet that you're asking is, wait, what? Is this really a spiritual habit? Um, maybe you've got images in your mind of what I have in my mind. Um, sometimes when I think of journals, like the tiny little girl journals, like the furry ones, the pink ones that have rainbows on them, and unicorns, the little lock, anybody? Okay, thank you that I'm not alone in thinking about that. Or you might be thinking about if you're a Broadway person, you like musicals, Dear Evan Hansen, da da da. Anybody? Okay, that one was a dud. Um, you might be thinking about maybe images of narcissistic adults who just like to take time to think about themselves or make notes of how great they are or how bad other people are. Maybe you see journaling as something for dreamers or for artists or for poets, for people who just enjoy sitting with a cup of coffee and thinking about life for hours on end. And you might think, that's not me. This is not me. Anybody with me? Thank you for the few of you who might be honest. Just messing. You may discount, have discounted, or even be discounting right now in this moment that journaling could be something that could really serve to bring you closer to the Lord. And that's okay. But I want to ask this morning that you perhaps lean in just a little bit to consider what if, okay? What if there might be another vision for journaling than the one you already have in your mind or the one you've already discounted in your heart? What if journaling was more than just about recording the past but really drawing near to God and even preparing for the future? What if, because of God's grace, in our past and God's promise for our future, what if journaling right now in the present might be a pathway to deepen your joy in God. This morning, I want to give you a three-part outline for what I want to accomplish from the Word. One is I want to help you understand what journaling is. So what is journaling? Secondly, I want to try to answer the question, what does journaling offer? And third, I want to try to answer the question, what might it look like? So what is journaling? What does journaling offer and what might it look like? I wanna give you a basic definition at the start and I promise we're getting to the word. There's a reason um, I'm starting where I am and just hold on. The, this definition is one that I wrote, so I wanna give it to you here. Journaling is this. The act of moving toward God in writing as you honestly contemplate life in light of the gospel and the word. Journaling, if you want to understand its essence, is the act of moving toward God in writing as you honestly contemplate life in light of the gospel and in light of the word. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. I know you're holding your place in Matthew chapter 6. You're welcome to look at it on the screen or you're welcome to hold your place and turn over. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The exhortation of the scripture is the whole of our life is to be lived in light of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The confession of our faith has been since Jesus ascended for all Christ followers is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He is over all things. And he is the center 
of it all, including the center of my heart. You might think of the song, Jesus at the center of it all. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all can sing it with me. Jesus at the center of it all. What is it? From beginning to the end. It'll always be, it's always been you, Jesus. All right, thank you for the prompts, Robbie. I really appreciate it. The point is, it's more than a song. For us, Jesus is our center. Imagine you getting a phone call and you receive news of a difficult situation. Someone we love, maybe it's a health crisis, a lost job, something else. You're in the middle of a stressful week in another situation. Maybe it's something going on at work, new and ongoing project or high employee turnover, a new or demanding boss. Or maybe in another situation, you're in an argument with someone that you love and someone that you trust. You've heard things that are really hard to hear and you're not sure, could they actually be true? And what does this mean? In all of these situations, in all of our life, our calling is to go to Jesus and to keep him the center of the way that we feel, the way that we think, the way that we act, our heart, our hope. Jesus is to be the center of our all. That's what the verse says. Whatever we're doing in word or deed, we we must do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to keep him centered. Morton Kelsey uses this illustration that if you were invited to the White House, I don't know if anybody in this room has ever been invited to the White House, but let's imagine that if you were, you would probably find it an incredible moment to remember for the rest of your life. You would probably go out of your way that day to remember everything that you experienced, especially if you got invited to the Oval Office, and maybe even later, to, to figure out a way to, to make record of that, to process it, maybe even to write a thank you note in return for what you receive or experience there or to consider in light of the experience what it might mean for your future. Now he says, we, though, have been invited into the presence of one much greater than a president or a king here in this world. We have been invited into the presence of a holy God who seeks relationship with us. And the entire life that we live is a life lived in the presence of this one who has invited us in. Therefore, to process the significance of such experience with God day to day, moment to moment, is, it should be even greater than what we might do if we were invited into the White House to consider what an awesome opportunity it is to live our life in the presence of this one, Jesus Christ. So, Jesus at the center of it all. Now, I got a couple of things to say before we get into this. On this particular habit, of all the habits, I am going to recommend this habit to you, but I cannot ask or instruct this habit for you. Now, here's why. Journaling is not essential for the Christian life. Rather, prayer is, okay? I need you to follow along with me because over all these years, I have desired to be a teacher, one who you can count on to trust to know the Bible. I am committed, as well as our other elders, to not say things to you that are not in the scripture, to only say to you that which is of God in the word, and to be able to prove that to you as we're teaching. I don't want you to do journaling because I say journaling is cool, journaling is good, you should do it. I want you to know the scripture. Does God say for you to do journaling? And the answer is, in the Bible, when you survey the scripture, 
you will not find not a single instruction for you to journal. Jesus doesn't command it. Jesus doesn't even, there's not even a record of Jesus journaling. Now we do have a lot of records of other people of God journaling in scripture. Just look at the Psalms, for instance, and you'll, you'll see it. Divinely inspired journaling toward God. But you need to hear from me. Journaling is not a spiritual habit on similar plane as like fasting. Last week I told you, you need to fast. Fasting is an essential part of the Christian life. Jesus expects that you fast. That's not so with journaling, okay? Now you might go, well, why are you teaching it? I'm gonna tell you, okay? But I want to be very clear what, what you need to learn to do is to learn a, to live a life of prayer. Now, to remind you of that, I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18 with me. Again, you're holding your place in Matthew 6. I promise you that's important. That's the main scripture for the day. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. This is the command of God in scripture. It says, rejoice always, Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Would y'all read this with me? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, three main things that it says here that we've got to be doing. Here they are. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Do y'all see that? These are essential in your life as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a redeemed one. You've got to live a life of rejoicing. You've got to live a life of, of constant prayer. And you've got to live a life of thanksgiving. Now, notice how it tells you to do these things. Rejoice when? Always. Pray when? Never stop praying. Give thanks when? In all circumstances. Okay. So, that is what you've got to figure out. What we together as the people of God have to continue to grow into is learning how to all the time in everything live life where we're giving praise to God. Where we're posturing ourselves in dependence upon God, where we're choosing to give thanks to God for things that we're seeing in our life. That's what we've got to learn to do. So, but hear me say, journaling is not essential for the Christian life. It's those other things that are essential. It's prayer that's essential. Okay, everybody tracking? Now the second statement that I'll make here is this. Journaling is not an instruction, but an invitation, okay? It's not an instruction, but it's an invitation. I want to go back to the First Thessalonians 5 passage. I just want to remind you, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Does this refer to journaling? No. What does this refer to? These three things, okay? Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you. So in other words, what we as a church have done is we put language to this. What is this thing that we're trying to learn? It's desperate dependence. We've been using this language for years. Desperate dependence is something that needs to be growing in your heart it's something that's it's got to continue to, to grow as you trust and follow Jesus. It's this, in your heart of hearts, there's got to be growing a posture of abiding in God's presence, longing for God's power, and depending upon God's promises. This is the will of God for you, to learn how to continue to grow in this posture of abiding and longing and depending. This is a life of prayer. So, journaling is not an instruction, 
desperate, desperate dependence or, or prayer is the instruction. But journaling is an invitation. Now here's the invitation. For those of you who have practiced journaling, you're going to know this to be true. And then I'm going to show you in the scripture how I think we can live in this. The invitation is this. Journaling provides a powerful opportunity to grow in prayer. Okay? That may seem very simple. It is very simple. What I'm trying to help you understand is, for many of us, we know we ought to be growing in prayer, but we struggle to know how to do it. Anybody care to admit, whether you raise your hand on the inside or the outside, that sometimes we need some practical tools to help us actually learn how to grow in prayer. We can have a heart to grow in prayer, but when it comes down to it, we wonder, how, how can I get better at this? How can I actually learn to live my life with this kind of posture in a more intentional way? Because it seems like sometimes we can get stuck in a rut or our prayer times can get cluttered or we can get distracted or et cetera, et cetera. You name your struggle, I can name mine. But here's the opportunity that journaling provides. It provides us a path. It's just a path to learn a more prayerful life with God. So, in light of that, I want to move to number two and our passage that you so patiently have been waiting for me to finally get to. Anybody excited that we're there now? Number two in our sermon outline today is what does journaling offer? What does journaling offer? And this morning, what I want to show you today is that I believe it offers us an opportunity to grow in prayer. And in, in specifics, I believe it offers us an opportunity to grow in the main things that Jesus teaches us about prayer. So in Matthew chapter 6, what I want to do together is read from Jesus' words, starting in verse 5. And I want Jesus to teach us this morning to remind us this morning of what it looks like to actually live in prayer. He says, and I read from the ESV, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. But truly, I say to you, they have received their reward but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What I want to do this morning briefly is walk you through Jesus' master class on prayer, okay? Now, Jesus is teaching in response to the disciples going, Lord, teach us how to pray, okay? If you ever ask that question of Jesus, you're in good company. But the good news is you can turn to the Bible for the answer. You don't have to wait. Now, what we see here in Matthew chapter 6 is... First of all, y'all, 
Let's just be honest, okay? Just like you say to people, y'all, when you come to Memphis, you got to eat the barbecue. You know, anybody ever had somebody come to town and you go, when you come to Memphis, you got to do it. The thing is, Jesus is saying, when you become a child of the Father, when you get reborn into newness of life, when you come to follow me, hey, you got to pray, okay? You've got to learn to live your life in dependence upon the one who is life. You've got to learn this. Over and over and over in these sets of verses, verse 5, and when you pray, it's not if, it's when. On a daily basis, it's not a question of should you be given time with the Father to depend on him? It's not a question of if you should do that. When you do that, is the, the assumption is that you know every day por large portions of your internal life, of your time, is going to be devoted to, to learning to grow in dependence upon God. When you pray, verse 6, he says, but when you pray, right? Verse 7, he says, and when you pray, then you get into the start of verse 9 in the Lord's Prayer, and he says, pray then like this. So one of the things I'm I just trying to reinforce here is we are called to live in dependence upon God through prayer. We are called to grow in desperate dependence upon him. And that's why I'm exhorting you to consider what in your life is helping you to do that, okay? Because Jesus is saying, this is something you got to do. And that's why I'm tr we're trying to help here pastorally to just encourage you this month. Learn some practical things that help you live in prayer. Now, so first, Jesus is saying, you got to pray regularly, persistently, resolutely, whether you feel like it or not. Pray, <laughs> okay? Pray, pray, pray. Uh, one person said, the worst sin is prayerlessness. In other words, all of our life is dependent upon God, so we've got to show it in the way that we live. Now, how do we pray? I'm going to, gosh, you guys, I could teach a whole summer on the Lord's Prayer. That is not what you're about to get, okay? Because I'm not trying to reinforce fasting today by asking you to skip lunch, all right? We're not going to do that. Very simply this morning, what I want to do is remind you of something that I have taught before, and we have taught before here at ICC. There's three main aspects of the Lord's Prayer, three key ingredients that you can notice. There's an upward, there's an inward, and there's an outward. Okay, there's other ways you could break down the Lord's Prayer, but this is one that we've used, so we're gonna stick with it. So you've gotta to learn to pray upward, inward, and outward. Can y'all say those with me? Upward, inward, and outward, all right? Uh, Jim Warburg, one of our ICC deacons, um, Actually, I had a long-form interview with him that was posted to the Transform for Impact podcast this past week. And in the interview, he speaks about uh, how this particular teaching has been helpful for his own prayer life and his own walk with God. So what I want to remind you of is here in the Lord's Prayer, there's three main things that Jesus is teaching us. First, upward. What is upward? It's learning all, which is just learning how to praise God for his glory. Notice how Jesus starts the prayer in verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What he's teaching you is as you go to God, the focus first is on God. It's not just our feelings. It's not just our circumstances. The direction of our hearts and minds is the truth of who God is. The beginning of our prayer is all about God. It's not our issues. Rather, we lay aside our pride and we choose. We make a choice to get our lips, our minds, our hearts, our posture toward praising God and honoring God. Yearning to see his greatness, acknowledging his greatness, loving him. So praise comes first, okay? Our Father, who art in heaven, an incredible recognition of grace. Who in the world would have the audacity to call God holy, eternal God, a Father, if it were not 
for us knowing that our God, holy, eternal God, is a God of love. And a God who has chosen to adopt us as children of grace in Jesus Christ. We are aware of the incredible God that we have and we come to him and even have the privilege to pray to him, oh, Father, in heaven, Romans chapter eight describes Abba, Father is the cry of the Spirit within us and truly that's what Jesus is teaching us here. Hallowed be your name. The, we don't use the word hallowed very much. It's just the idea of Jesus is saying, look, recognize that God is holy. He is set apart. He is wonderful. He is perfect. There is no wrong, no evil, no shadow in him. Imagine the most blessed of blessed, the most beautiful of beautiful, the most glorious of glorious, the most awe-inspiring of awe-inspiring. He is perfect and he is wonderful. Hallowed be your name. So he's saying, we got to learn to pray in a way that goes to God and, and recognizes who he is, that, that there's all, there's a praise of his glory. But secondly, not only they're upward, but there's, there's inward. And inward, what we're talking about here is prayers of intimacy. Finding his, his grace. So if you look at the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, he says there in verse 11, forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but, but deliver us, deliver us from evil. What we're talking about here with inward prayer is prayers of self-examination, prayers of confession, where we have a deeper sense of our own sin, but also in return we have a greater expression of, of grace and assurance of love, opportunity to know God's grace more. Oh God, hear the ways, God, that I have sinned and I ask your forgiveness. This is concerning our relationship with God. It's concerning our relationship with other people. We've got to see our own brokenness. Every day, Jesus is teaching us that. As you go to him, you've got to see your own neediness, your own brokenness, your own sinfulness. But you've also got to see that Jesus is one who can forgive. He's the only one who can forgive, but he does forgive and he forgives freely. A lot of us get struggle with issues of guilt, condemnation, shame. And there's only one way to experience freedom and that is to know the forgiveness of Jesus for specific things to be identified, named, confessed, surrendered and forsaken, forgiven, as we say, I'm sorry. Confession is not naming something new to God. He already knows. It's agreeing with what already God, what God already sees. Agreeing with God about where there's need and then letting him pour grace upon us to forgive us. We gotta see our brokenness and we gotta see his grace. And we also have to, we have to learn to forgive. As we are humbled in the presence of God, knowing our unbrokenness and need and knowing how freely and lavishly, graciously, he forgave us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. How could I then hold on to a grudge of another person? If he has so been, been so merciful to me, how could I not be merciful to another? If he has not held that against me, how could I hold that against another? So he's teaching us do examination, see where you have brokenness with God and also see where you have brokenness with other people and apply the grace of Jesus bought by his blood on the cross. Apply that to your heart. Let him love you and lavish grace upon you and move you to not only be reconciled with him but to be a reconciler with others. Forgive us as we have forgiven and also lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. There's a, there's a deliverance here that we need inside of us 
And there's a deliverance here that we need outside of us. He's saying, lead us not into temptation. This is not to say we're not going to be tempted. But he's saying, lead us not to give into temptation. Oh God, would you deliver me from thinking that I don't need you? God, would you deliver me from rebellious spirit to push you away or to love something more than you? Oh God, would you keep me close to you? And then deliver us from evil. That's the prayer of outside of us, specific evils that emanate from the kingdom of the enemy, bodily or spiritual or emotional, things in the world that are just wrong or malignant, enemies that wish to do us harm. Oh God, would you be my deliverer? So he says, pray, start upward. Praise, character of God, who he is, but then consider inward. It's like Isaiah, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? But then he became aware of his uncleanness and he cried out, oh God, would you clean me? I am unclean and I live among a people who are unclean. He sees God upward and then he moves inward and he has to deal with his brokenness and allow God's grace to cover him. But then we have this third category that Jesus teaches us, this third ingredient, and that's outward. And in outward, what we're doing is, it's, it's the struggle of prayer. It's asking for help. He says there in the Lord's Prayer, the end of 9 into 10, he says to pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then in verse 13, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So here's what we're doing with outward prayer, okay? So we've got upward, we've got inward. Outward, here's what's happening. Is you're taking time in your prayer life to just ask God for specific things in your own life, in the life of other people, and in the, and in the world. That's what's happening. You're making supplication and you're making intercession for yourself, for others, and the world. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a metaphor. For God, would you take care of my needs? I'm not asking for luxuries here. I'm just, I'm just asking for needs to be met. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, materially. Oh God, I'm looking to you. Hear my needs, God, and I'm asking for your help. But then he's moving on to thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, he's saying, God, would you align my heart with yours? God, I am choosing submission and surrender. God, I'm asking for in these situations, God, I, this is what's going on in my health, God. This is what's going on at work, God. This is what's going on in my relationships, God. And God, I'm just asking, just like Jesus prayed in the garden, oh God, not mine will, but yours be done. God, I, I'm, I'm struggling because these are the things I want and I'm asking for these, but God, at the end of the day, I'm choosing to submit and surrender to you. Because God, I know that what's needed is not me fixing this, controlling this. I can't, God, I need you to intervene in my life or maybe it's in the life of another person or maybe it's something in the world, some area of injustice or poverty or death and you're just saying, oh God, would you come? Your will be done. God, I want your kingdom above all things. Okay? So what are the three ingredients of prayer? Y'all say them with me. Upward, inward, and outward. Now, again, I could teach forever about the Lord's Prayer. But I'm essentially reteaching something we've taught before, which is why I'm giving you the summary now. The question I would ask you is, how do you, in your life, make space for actually, he says, pray then like this. Pray in this way. Make room for praise. Have time to just be in awe, just to 
apart from anything that's going on in your life, any needs you have, or any feelings that you feel, take time just to worship, to, to just be in awe of who he is, praise him for his glory. How do you make space for that? How do you make space for inward? Taking time to really identify where there's need and to really seek God grace in your own relationship with him and a relationship with others. And then how do you make time for that, those outward prayers? Oh, sure, we say to people all the time, I'll, I'll be praying for you. That's like a Christian thing to say in the South. You know what I'm saying? You hear about the worst thing ever and you just say, it's just, you know, I'll be praying for you. Oh, God, would you convict us for how many times we say that and don't actually do it? May our yes be yes and our no be no. Let's don't say that unless we actually do it. What does it look like in your life to, to give more than lip service to I'll be praying for you? How do you pray for specific needs that are going on, specific people, issues in our city, around the world? How do we, so what I'm, what I'm suggesting, so here, here we're talking about this topic of journaling, okay? Why did we as an, a pastoral team want to encourage you to consider this? And here's why. Because you gotta ask the question, what does journaling offer? And in specifics, what does journaling offer in these three ingredients of prayer? Upward, inward, outward. Here's what I would encourage you to consider, okay? I think it offers you an incredible pathway of opportunity. Again, I'm not instructing you in this because the instruction is you've got to give space for these kinds of prayers every day. But I want to encourage you to consider what journaling might could offer you. Because I really think if you took pen to paper, or maybe it's in your, your thumb to screen, okay, maybe it's that. I don't know the best path to journaling, but the act of writing toward God, right? This is what we talked about. I really believe it offers you some incredible opportunity and upward. Here's what I believe it offers you. You know, earlier we were talking about meditation. One of our elders, Rob, taught a sermon on what it looks like to meditate on God's word. One way that you can do this really well, I have I brought this morning notebooks. You can call them journals. I don't like calling mine journals because I think it feels girly. I don't know why I think it feels girly, but I think it feels girly. There's nothing wrong with girly at all. I just personally call them notebooks, okay? I have found over the years since I was in college and I first learned the joy of reading the Bible every day, which was what we talked about last month, reading for breadth and reading for depth. I don't know anymore really how to read the Bible without a pen and paper in my hand without some kind of tool to take notes. It is an incredible joy. If you rake, you get leaves. If you dig, you get gold. It is an incredible joy to dig into the scripture and to just take a pen and paper out and to just, sometimes it's just writing the verse, the very verse that I read, just rewriting it and rewriting it and rewriting it. Y'all see the screens, how I'll do all these silly circles and arrows? I've taught like that for years. Some of y'all like it, some drive some of y'all crazy. Do you know why I do that? It's because that's how I study, personally. I like marking up. I like circling and underlining. I like making notes. I like meditating, writing little prayers out. One of the best ways to really, mm, if you go to a good steak restaurant in town, you pick your, your best one here in town, Folks Folly, or maybe it's, I don't know, Where's, who has the best steak or the best barbecue? There's something about taking a bite and just going, mm, and you're just, you just like keep it in your mouth for a second. You know what I'm talking about? That is the joy of scripture meditation. And one of the opportunities a notebook or journaling provides you is to actually slow it down. Some of us have trouble actually slowing down unless there's like something to do. So it allows you to actually continue to circle back again and again and again to these precious words of God to us. It's giving you something to do without just moving on from it. And it is allowing you to go deep and to let the word of God by the spirit of God give you the grace of God in your heart as you meditate on him. It also gives you a chance to apply the gospel in upward. It allows you a chance to just remember Jesus 
wholly apart from circumstance. We just lift our eyes off of circumstance to the cross and we just go, Jesus, you're wonderful. And it allows us to not view our, let me make sure I say this right because I always get this one wrong. It allows us the opportunity to make sure that we're not judging the cross by our circumstances, but we're judging our circumstances by the cross. It allows us to keep Jesus and his great love for us and his perfect work for us and his sure promise to us at the center of it all, giving space for that in our writing. Here's what is going on, but God, I'm coming to you because I know this. If you look at like some of the Psalms of David, he'll be in the worst of circumstances, but he goes back again and again through his processing and writing. He goes back again and again to remember God and to remember his faithfulness, his love, his promise. And that's part of what journaling gives to us in this category and also gives us a chance to just give personal praise and, and thanks. It allows us to... I, I, I can't even imagine in my own life how many things how many good gifts that God has given and they've just passed by so quickly without me even recognizing that that's part of his providence and turning that into an opportunity for praise. One of the gifts that we have in, in writing is just to say, you know, when, when we experience something amazing, oh God, thank you. God, thank you because I know that this is of you. And it allows us to be that one leper, not the nine that went away, but the one leper that experienced something and returned to Jesus to say thanks. It allows us to be the one. It's to turn, just to turn your circumstances into moments to actually go, God, this is all you. In the inward category, I think that there's some opportunities that journaling provides. I think it gives us an opportunity for greater self-examination. I think there is a very important place in our life for introspection and for self-examination. The end of Psalm 139, oh God, see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I, I believe there are tons of us who don't know ourselves well enough before God and before other people. And part of it is that we don't have the space to actually allow God to show us who we are. We keep our time so filled with activity that we avoid the very thing that would actually cause us the moment for God to actually convict us of sin, to show us the grievous way and to lead us in the way everlasting. Part of what journaling offers to us is a chance to do more reflection, to disentangle our thoughts, our feelings, the events of the day and, and, and space just to do the work of confession. Romans 12.3 says that no one ought to be, think of themselves more highly than they ought to think, but to think of ourselves with sober judgment. And I wonder for many of us if journaling would not be a great gift to have time on a regular basis to go to God and to say, God, here's who I really am, and God, I need you. In the category of outward, I really believe that it's also a great gift and that I believe it gives us a moment to actually take those commitments that we've made to care for other people in our life, to love them well, to pray for, for things, and to actually flesh those out into specific requests for ourselves, for others, and for the world around us. I close this morning by I brought some of these notebooks. Because this third question is like, what does this look like? And, and honestly, like, it just looks like you 
starting somewhere with, it could be a notebook that you buy, it could be an app on your phone, it could be the little scribbly paper. I mean, this is not about doing it perfectly. It's just about starting somewhere, learning to just create space and to create a method to just go to God with writing and to be honest in processing our life with him. This is from 2000, I don't even know, I can't even remember the year. This is from a long time ago. This journal went with me, this particular notebook, went with me to Africa, first time I ever left the country. It was in the middle of college. Most of you guys will, nobody will ever read your journal. I can't believe I'm even doing this this morning, but just show you how simple it is. I'm not gonna lie, I say this is my second week, third week of training. These days have been hard. Great, but really hard. I think it's because everything normal, everything that has ever served as a security blanket for me has been stripped from me. Culture, my friends, this is the first time I've been apart from Scott. Family, food, way of life, my daily commodities, running water and electricity, my language, my common religion, all comforts and more. More than once, I am overwhelmed by emotion. This scary, helpless, I don't feel right here and I wanna go home feeling that I experienced one time at Boy Scout camp. I've realized for real that I'm far from home and I'm gonna be here a long time. And these thoughts keep coming to myself. What have I gotten myself into? And these emotions, oh my, have scared me a bit. At first I've tried with my strength to push them away, but then I've been in your word and I've been focusing on your word in my mornings and I've begun to embrace these thoughts and feelings and learning to surrender to you, Lord. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. I cry aloud to you, Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept and I awoke again for you sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God, from Psalm 3. Being here has exposed that I shield myself. I, I, I find comfort and security and worth in a lot of things that can easily be stripped away, but here, God, you have pushed me to know you as my complete shield, my comfort and protection, my gear. You wanted to teach me this here in the bush of Africa and here in my weakness and helplessness, you're revealing yourself to me. You're humbling me by showing me what I really lack, something that it's been easy for me to overlook in America. And yet here in this very place, I'm hearing you say my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. There I will, therefore, I will not be ashamed of weakness, but I'll boast in it so that the power of Jesus may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weakness and hardship, persecution and calamity, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Oh, how beautiful is the grace of our Lord, I write. I long to know it, to experience it, to live in it, to share in it more and more. Oh, Jesus, please, would you help me to learn that you are my all. In other places of this journal, later that year, as I was seeing some Muslim young adults in my life get very close to making a decision to lose everything that they had ever known to follow Jesus, I come to my journal to be able to come to God and I say, oh God, would you just push him over the cliff into the free fall of faith that would lead him and land him into the deep ocean of undeserved mercy and grace. I know that if Cisco has revealed the true person and nature and beauty of Jesus, his decision will be the easiest decision of his life. He'll have no problem tossing the weak pleasures and comforts and securities of the world for the opportunity to gain you, to know you and enjoy you. Oh God, I want you to wake him up 
through your spirit and your word. I want you to work salvation, a new birth in his heart. God, would you do it soon? I know it's got to be you. There's no other way it'll happen, especially here in this culture. It would not be possible. God, I wonder why he's not, why you have not chosen to awake his heart from death to life yet. I'm amazed, though, at how you're pursuing him. You're drawing him closer to the kingdom. Oh, God, would you reveal yourself through your word, your spirit, to make him your child. You see, this is so simple, okay? This is just, this is just a college kid who knows he's got to move toward, he, I knew I needed to move toward God. And I was just taking pen to paper and it was just a tool for me to learn to just go toward God. To say, God, I need you. God, I'm aware of how you're stripping me. God, teach me, fulfill me. For me to pray, pray prayers for other people who, by the way, that young man came to know Jesus. For me to look back on it more than a decade later and remember God's faithfulness, what a gift. This was my notebook for sabbatical. This is a way, I put this in my pocket, in my back pocket, when I was all around in the wilderness and the woods, and there would be moments that I'd just get overwhelmed by God, and it gave me a moment to just, at one point, as I was looking at nature, take out a pen and paper, just when I thought I'd seen it all, all the beauty, all the colors, all the majesty, all the all, a new peak emerged this morning, seemingly out of nowhere. Obviously, it's been there all along, but it's just become visible to me, beautiful, radiant, and exciting. Such is the wonder of Christ. Oh, for grace to know you more. In moments of deep struggle, as I was agonizing on sabbatical with the Lord and some of the things that he was wanting to do in me in the inward category, I would sit with this journal and write, do you know what happens when you open up the box? You know the one you keep sealed and hidden so your heart does not get rocked? Floods of memories, floods of tears, sunlight touching shadows, grace touching fears. Release of burden, hurts are named. Surprising kindness, connections, healing in pain. I don't know why I still feel shocked, but Jesus met me with love when I opened up the box. I don't know why, but just the act of pen to paper has been an incredible gift in my life to help me learn to move toward God in ways of praise, in ways of learning his grace, and in ways of learning to intercede for others. I want to encourage you this morning to consider, you know, again, I say to you, I'm not, I'm not instructing you to consider journaling, but I'm inviting you to consider in what ways you might can grow closer to God in prayer and to really consider if journaling might be a tool that God could use in your life to help you learn to live more Godward toward him. As we close this morning, I would just encourage you to consider in this time of invitation in what areas of life, heart, might you need to be more Godward even now. Maybe there's some things that God has spoken to you this morning just about learning to live more desperately and dependently on him. And in this time of invitation, you have a chance just to say, God, I need you. God, I'm choosing praise. I could be so, so focused on my circumstance that I just get my eyes off of who you are. And God, I just, I just want to focus on you. Maybe this morning, there's, been, there's just sin that's not been dealt with in your heart and life. And you just need this morning to say, God, I'm choosing confession. I've been avoiding brokenness, but God, I am broken. And this morning, I just, I just need to come toward you and be forgiven. Or maybe I'm holding on a grudge against somebody else when you've 
freely forgiven me. And God, this morning, I just want to forgive them as you've forgiven me. Or maybe this morning, it's just an invitation to bring your needs to him. Let go of control. You can't fix it. You can't do it. Only God can. Maybe it's something in your life, another person's life, something in this world that you're longing to see, and you just need to, you just need to go to God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Oh God, not my will but yours. And just learn surrender and submission. Wait upon him. So Father, we come this morning just asking you to move us toward prayer. To move us toward prayer. And Lord, just to teach us how to pray. Your disciples asked it and we should ask it. Lord, teach us how to pray. Lord, we want to live our life towards you. Thank you again for joining us for today's Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis. We want to encourage you to join us in person for worship soon. No podcast can ever replace the good design of God in gathering in person with other believers for worship in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with ICC, you can visit us at iccmemphis.com. As we close, we offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thanks again for joining us.